Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third. I'm always traveling for work, but I also love to be active, playing soccer every chance I get. Finding the balance between being comfy, looking cute, and also being dressed to be active has never been easier with Viore. Viore is so versatile. It can be used for any activity, running, yoga, swimming, but it's also great for lounging or traveling. My favorite product is the pants that I actually never take off, the Women's Performance Jogger. They're designed with the softest premium dream knit stretch fabric. Viore helps me feel good about the things I buy and how they are made because Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint, utilizing better sustainable materials for their products to empower your best active life. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash soccer. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash soccer. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back. Well, these are scenes from the Vancouver airport where Leon, uh, they played the Vancouver White Cup, Whitecaps in League Cup, and they're fl- due to some sort of Hi. Clerical mishap. Their flight was delayed, and they literally had, were stranded at the Vancouver airport on their way to Los Angeles, where they're supposed to face the LA Galaxy. And it's not a great look. It was not weather-related. Apparently, weather was fine, but I, I don't know how something like that happens. But when you see professional athletes sleeping on the floor of an airport, it just doesn't hmm. seem doesn't doesn't seem like the best look, Chuck. Yeah, I've been there. I've been, I've had to wait in an airport for a long time. Where? Um, I think there happened a couple of times due to delays. In, I mean, in the U.S. and yeah. in Europe? No, just in, in the U.S. This one in particular was mechanical issues with a charter flight. Oh, this was me- mechanical, mechanical issues. issues. But can't they just find them another flight, even if it's not chartered? I mean, it's a professional soccer team. I yeah. would think that there would be contingency plans in Place well, back in the day in MLS, such... you flew commercial, so you you would be in the airport with everyone lying around at the gate. If your flight was delayed, <laughs> you're you're just lying there. Did you guys there. fly business class? No. I mean, <laughs> did you get lounge access? You got a window seat I, if did, you were a veteran. Did I ever? <laughs> you know? Stop. Do you know what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Dax McCarty filled me in on a little nugget that I didn't know. They would call, they called it um, MSL instead of MLS, middle seat life. Wow. Because 
so often, especially back in the day in major Young, soccer, younger players. They would be, you would be sitting but in I feel like at one point, the middle like, seat. Towards later in your career, I feel like if you were doing like cross country from like Philadelphia to LA. Mm, you would think. Really? Yeah. You, yeah. Wow. Did you at least get to hang out in the lounge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the lounge or the food court. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yes. no it was made, Imagine that scene. Like, Philly Union sitting at Shake Shack. In their, in their team gear and think that they were like a high school team. Because college, they, because yeah. they couldn't imagine that a professional team would just be like yeah. stranded, yeah. like hanging out. Oh, you, you say, why? We, we've come a long way. Be, you'd be sitting next to someone in, say, I have the window. Someone, would, a, a random passenger, would sit in the middle, seat and they'd be like, "So, what do you do? What do you do?" And you say, "Oh, I put, we're playing soccer." <laughs> what college do you play for? Like, do you guys make enough money to? Why do you fly commercial? And you know, the, all those questions. All the come questions. With it. And you're like, see, that's why yeah. I. That's why I ask them, "What do you make? How much you make?" <laughs> Right never talk to me the rest thing. of the flight. Well, either way, it's not a good look. It's for... not a good look, and the 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 whole situation ended up completely affecting their their schedule for Leagues Cup. And for more on that, we're going to bring in Anna Witte, who is also part of the Pink Party today, I which I very much appreciate. You look great. Thank you, thank you, Charlie. We got we got the same memo. Synergy. This morning. Love it. Yes. Well, we're going to start with that story for our Tuesday morning headlines. Club Leon's League Cup match against the LA Galaxy has been postponed at, by a day. Leon was left stuck at Vancouver Airport on Monday night due to mechanical issues with their chartered flight to Los Angeles. The match has been rescheduled to Wednesday in order to give Leon a chance to train ahead of the opening League's Cup match for both teams. The Women's World Cup is in full swing and providing a showcase for a potential transfer target. One standout who has already locked up their next move is French star Kadidiatu Diani. The 28-year-old is leaving PSG after six seasons to sign with Olympic Lyon. Diani led the French league when scoring with career-high 17 goals last season. In Germany, Marcel Sabitzer officially completed a $21 million move from Bayern Munich to Borussia Dortmund, becoming the latest player to trade places between the Bundesliga's biggest clubs. The Austri Austrian midfielder failed to find a regular role at Bayern after joining from RB Leipzig in 2021. Sabitzer spent last season on loan at Manchester United. In South American transfer news, Edinson Cavani is closing on a move to Boca Juniors. Mm. The Uruguayan striker came close to joining Boca a year ago before eventually signing with the Liga side Valencia, where he scored five goals. Cavani is still working to have his contract voided for a clear the way to move to Argentina. Lastly, in other Leagues Cup-related news, La Liga MX, rather Liga MX Club Atlas issued an apology on Monday for a post on the team's Twitter account. The tweet referenced Nazi propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels in an attempt to discredit an offside call in Atlas's recent match against New York City FC. A tweet by The Athletic asked whether a VAR overturn of a potential NYCFC equalizer was the call was the correct call. That sparked a response from the Atlas account that referenced Nazi propaganda. The tweet was eventually deleted and Atlas later issued an apology. Alexis, how does a club's Twitter account wind up referencing a Nazi propaganda to over a controversial VAR call? 
Why would you toss that to me? Because uh, <laughs> that's your card. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, NYCFC is related, which is why I'm being asked. Uh, I, this is ridiculous. I don't get what the point of the reference is. The, the, I don't understand how someone starts. You have to be really angry or, or really naive to start that out and, and still hit send on that. And if the, the tweet that I saw looked like an image of... Uh, there was, was like an image still of, yeah. of that offside. Uh, but I also saw a sort of maybe it was on Instagram where they did an image of the tweet or of the of the text. Where I'm like, yo, you're going three extra steps and you're just keeping a Nazi reference in there. You can't find another reference in history that fits with that. <laughs> Not with the you know the historic Nazi reference or whatever the quote was. It, it was, was ridiculous. I mean. First off, let's start by saying that if you're using Nazi references to justify certain actions or to explain certain actions, like, stop. No, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, don't, we're, we're not even going to discuss this. This is That's the end of the line. And yeah. Somebody like, needs to be fired. By the way, they right. sent an apology tweet right, but and they hadn't deleted the, the previous tweet but until a couple of hours later. Everything about how Atlas went about this was so contrived because... They be, it felt like they were being prosecuted, right? They were kind of like trying to defend themselves in a certain way, going after certain, and they put it in quotes. It was like, it was unhinged. But the call went their like, way. Going, this makes no uh, sense. About analysts and about uh, influencers, how they're being swayed to believe certain things. And then towards the end, after they make the whole Joseph Goebbels reference, they added... An influencer, someone who has like six million followers, I actually don't know who he is, but apparently he's somebody big, I guess, in the Mexican soccer community or at least in the sports community. And it's like, wh what are you doing? Coming from an institution, th this, honestly, I think it, Irraragori, who's the owner of Atlas, it paints them in such a bad light and the whole way that they handle the situation by leaving the tweet out, it, and someone, someone needs to take blame for this. They, they sh obviously, people should be fired. Any, anything that's anti-Semitic, racist, there's got to be some sort of punishment. But they won the game. This call went their way. They won the what game. What are you upset about? That's why it was so contrived. That's why... Contrived, but wh why? Like, why? I why? Get, like, like, literally, why? But from I, an institution, like, for them to go on a rant, for a CM, for a community manager to sit there and start going on this rant and say, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to use Hitler's uh, Nazi propaganda right-hand man to justify what went on, like... This is, what? We forget this is the same club that was a part of a, a really sort of horrific scene where fans clashed and, you know, social media showed people who may have passed during it and bodies strewn on the ground. And they were part of the sort of, I don't want to call it a cover-up, so, but everyone pretended nothing happened. That, so th those are the fans. That's, that's different. That was, you're talking about the battle you're talking about the fights between Querétaro and Atlas. But the club, the cl no, one, no one, whether it was specifically Atlas or not, no one ever admitted right. that people and passed the, away the in the it, state where of social Querétaro, media showed a very big difference, but it would have been embarrassing had that happened. Right. The so state I'm not, of I'm not Querétaro, though, let's just let's, let, let's be clear, because sure. it sounds like you're saying that Atlas willingly went out there and no, denied people. No, I'm not saying that. Died, but it sounds like it. So just okay. let, me, let me state the record straight. The state of Querétaro mm -hmm. was the one that did the investigation 
and said that nobody had passed away. Right, and did Outlaw say that that was false in any way, shape, or form, or come out against that? Right, but then that's... That, I'm then, asking then, that Then, then that's different. They did not. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. That this situation happened, and that was a little bit w weird how that was handled. And now we Everything have another that situation strange, yeah. that's extremely weird how it's handled. So the point I'm making is not specifically about what happened against Querétaro. It's to say that there is a lack of... Um, leadership? Not just leadership, but there's a lack of disciplinary action after something happens. There's a lack of uh, taking ownership on certain things. No and this is another one. Do you think that something as egregious as this, where perhaps it was like one unhinged person that decided to, to put this out, doesn't seem like that's the case, but does, if, should, there be, should there be a punishment where maybe they're kicked out of League's Cup? I mean, like this, this to me seems like it's, it's that, it, it's, such a, it's such a crime to, to reference mm -hmm. Hitler's right-hand man that you have to, the sanctions have to be so strong. Like we talk about like these zero tolerance policies. Mm -hmm. Like how, how are we gonna continue to allow them to compete in this, in this tournament? Like it just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how how we continue to. I just, I'm, I'm so tired of trying, not rationalizing, but like having these conversations and trying to figure out why yeah. when it's so, it's so offensive to so many, to so many people, and it's, I, I, I don't understand why we continue to. L looking at it from an Atlas perspective, it's imagine. If this was a C, imagine if this was somebody from the social team that just wanted to get fired because it it, it feels like someone like wanted sabotage? just sabotage. Like, it, but boom, if that I'm was out. the case, why hadn't the, why wouldn't the club say that? Be like, this is reflective, yeah, not reflective I, of, of our beliefs. Like this was one person. Yeah. Like they haven't come out and said anything like that. If you think about the situation, there's only a few things that could have happened. It's someone who tried to sabotage their own job, uh, someone who maybe was you know under some type of influence but had access to it, or maybe it was someone from the front office or someone high up that said, no, I want you to send this out because why would you keep that out? Right. I'm not saying that, that's a, that that would be that to me is grave. what. It seems most logical to me. Again, these are all, you know, we're all just taking guesses here. But why would you be like, are you, because someone, you'd have to be someone you're afraid to be like, nah, this doesn't feel right. I would never type N, A, and hit a Z without second guessing. Are you sure this is what you want to go out? And for it to sit out there after the apology had come out makes me feel as if someone was like, no, I want that out. It's very odd, and you won the game, and the call went your way. There was zero need, and you're tagging random civilians, even though they are influencers. You're tagging it's civilians. Enough. All of this just seems so off. Yeah, at this point, because it's so brash and so offensive, the owner of the team at this point needs to make a statement instead of the statement at that the they put out there, right? And, and, and really explain what went on. An investigation within the club has to be made, and this is, we need an explanation. History tells, Goebbels was a monster. I mean, yeah. this is not, like, this was one of Hitler's masterminds. This is not just a, a, a historical figure who did something bad. This man literally murdered that definition of millions evil. of people. Yeah, exactly. And to util, utilize his name in such a casual way, I'm sorry, like, that is, that is an egregious like offense. In, in, what, in what world? For, for what purpose, in what world, I'm just, In what world did that person think it was okay? In what world, even if it went through several filters, I can't believe there wasn't one no. person that said, hey, guys, hmm, maybe we shouldn't use a Nazi reference in our tweet. Like, yeah. Where's Elon? Stop, gray out the button if the word Nazi is in there. Just gray it out so you can't tweet it out.
It's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, no, I, I just think that they should they shouldn't be allowed to continue in this competition, and I think that there needs to be a lot more done because um, this was really, really, really bad. Um, on that note, we're going to take a break, uh, but lots more to come on Morning Footy when we return. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back. Women's World Cup in full swing. Um, we have a couple big fixtures to look forward to today, including Group C action, Japan taking on Costa Rica. And for more on some of these matches, we are delighted to bring in Jordan Angeli. Jordan, I'm so excited. You are actually living in Connecticut now, and I want to say a huge congratulations on coming to the CBS family and uh, attacking third, now being a studio show. You guys are killing it. Thank you. Yeah, excited to be here. It's it's nice to be able to be in studio most of the time. I, I opted out this morning, as you can tell. Um, <sighs> these games are just coming fast and furious, but Attacking Third has been going really well. It is so much fun to work with that cast of women and we've been having a blast what a great way to start with the world cup huh right i know it was it was timed perfectly uh for the launch of the show but like i said you guys have been been killing it and just doing um some amazing coverage for us for this women's world cup before we get into serious questions though i really want to ask her how massacred is your sleeping schedule with this world (laughs) cup I, Nico, I have, you asked me last week, like, what are you doing? I still haven't figured it out. I don't know. You know what also is difficult is the games aren't actually always at the same time. Right. Right. So, like, today it was one and three, but yesterday there was a 7 a.m. game, which was like, (laughs) I'll take the 7 a.m. game. Um... I, I don't know. I haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You Probably know what? By the time I figure it out, we'll be out of group play, and then um, I'll have to re-figure out how I'm going to watch all of the next the knockout rounds. A little bit more more steady. Um, all right. Well, let's let's chat about Japan, Costa Rica. Japan uh, coming off a, a big five nil win off of Zambia, and I know that you guys had said on attacking third that you were actually pretty impressed with the way Zambia played in the first 30 minutes of that game, but Japan, uh, their goals just came sort of fast and furious but when you look at their matchup against Costa Rica um, are is Japan uh, are we going to expect more of the same from them think so. And it's hard for me to say that because Costa Rica being a CONCACAF nation, I called a lot of their games, but right now they're just not in the place where I feel like they can face this Japan squad and get a push for a result. Japan 
plays some of the most beautiful football you're going to see in this World Cup. They want to play through the lines. They have a really good patience and awareness of saying, okay, well, this is what the opposing team is presenting me. Like in their last game, the space was in between the lines. So they played in between the lines, cut Zambia up, scored a goal. Well, then in the second half, Zambia pushed up a little bit. The space was in behind and they got called offside a couple of times, but then they scored a goal in those transition moments. So their ability to see what is presented and work through it and find goals was really good in that first game. The question is always going to be, can they be consistent scoring goals? Because that hasn't been true for this uh, Japan squad in their buildup and coming into this World Cup. But when you put five on a team, you're feeling pretty confident about how you're going to be in front of goals. So I think they go into this game feeling like they have the answers to whatever problem is presented to them. Jordan, we, we've seen some great matches in this opening round. Who surprised you the most? Surprise in a way of they uh, played maybe better? The expect, uh, as maybe the expectations weren't that high going into the World Cup. Well, I think some of these teams, one of the things that um, – we see with some of these squads is they've been prepping for this first game. Some of the debutantes, I thought Haiti had a really great performance. I wasn't as surprised because I've seen this Haitian team play and I really like how they play. But I would say this morning, I I thought that Columbia result was really big. Um, I know they had a a really good um, Copa America coming into this. Nico, close your ears. They beat Argentina in that Mm. semifinal (laughs) too get to the final and make it to the World Cup. So this Columbia team had some momentum, but there was also some controversy for them coming into this. That game that they played right before the World Cup against the Republic of Ireland was canceled 20 minutes in because it was a little too feisty. So you're thinking, are they too riled up, or both of those teams, are they too riled up, which I think we saw more from Ireland in the first game with their aggressiveness than we saw from this Columbia team. I was really pleased with what I saw from them today. And I, I think that they could be a team, as Sandra Herrera likes to say. Uh, she she's their, their, her dark horse for this tournament. And I'm kind of with her now. Oh. I, I feel like they were really good. I thought Nigeria was good, too. And they really, um, they're my dark horse. And I, I liked the way that they played in the first game. Mm, yeah. There's uh, also a team that got off to a good start in Spain. And much has been said about everything off the pitch with Jorge Vilda and that Spanish squad, but in their last handful of games, they've scored 24 goals. I think in the last five games, they scored 24 goals and haven't conceded. So it, you know, it, it, it kind of lends itself to focus only on the soccer. So how do you think La Roja is, is kind of balancing both of those issues? Are they, are they past the, the Jorge Vilda issues and are they only focused on the World Cup? Or is that something that's still kind of brewing within the national team? I I wish I I knew. I wish I had somebody there that I could speak to because I I can't speak specifically to how they're handling that because it's a very interesting situation. They have a lot of big players that are at home that are watching this because they didn't want to be there and didn't want to participate. But I think the choice had to be made. And if you made the choice to be a part of this squad as some of those – 15 did come back and say, hey, we want to be a part of this squad. You have to leave that behind. And I think this team is playing as a team and they're playing for each other and they're playing to represent their country. And for that Spanish squad, what we saw in the first game 
I think a little bit hard adjustment from the first half to the second half. They didn't quite adapt to the differences, but they're going to play a, a Zambia team in this next round where Zambia's on their third string goalkeeper. Their first string goalkeeper tore ACL days before the tournament started. Their second string goalkeeper got two yellow cards and then a red card, uh, you know, from that late in the match. So now they're on their third string goalkeeper. They're going to test her right away. But for, for Spain, it doesn't look like they're dealing with what they're dealing with. When they get on the field, man, whew, it was 20 seconds into the game and their fullbacks are in the attacking half and the attacking third, excuse me, and just the fluidity of this squad, uh, Hermoso on the ball, Bonmati, what she can do, gets a goal in this one, the first one. But they also have Alexia Puteas, who came in late in that game. And I think we're going to see more minutes from her. And the combination between Puteas and Hermosa, it, Hermoso is out of this world, something that I think everybody is just waiting to see more minutes from. So this probably is going to be a tough one for, for Zambia. But we'll see how it plays out. Again, I don't think Spain adjusted quite well tactically in that first game. Let's see what they learned from in, um what they can do against the Zambian squad. Selma Parayuelo is also a phenomenal player too. I mean, How good was she? So good, so good. Yeah, in fact, that's my question. When Puteas gets back to the position to be able to start when she's back to that full fit, who comes out? I mean, you've got Gonzalez, Parayuelo, Hermoso, as you said. You've got some real ballers here, and they seem to be on a roll. Who do you possibly take out? Because you have to put Puteas in the starting lineup once she's healthy. It's a good question. I think it depends on who you're playing. Uh, maybe if you need a little bit more 1v1 ability out wide, getting into the channel, getting in behind, um, you keep her in. If not, maybe you take her out and you shift some things. It, I think it all depends on what the team is that you're facing. But I think everybody on the desk will agree. If Alexia Puteas is available, you're putting her in the starting lineup. I, I, you figure out a way to make it happen because – um, guys, she got she's coming off an ACL. I know she played a little bit at the end of her Barcelona season, but she gets in and she sombreros somebody. Like she just right <laughs> away just shows you like her awareness of being in the pocket, managing defenders, coming at her, where the space is. Everything she does is so central for this Spanish squad. And um, yeah, she's got the pink hair. We need that on the pitch, don't we? Yes, sure, in fact, in fact, she got the pink hair to like jazz it up a little bit. Can you do that to the wall behind you? It's looking. <laughs> you look like you're. You look like you're being investigated. She just, she just <laughs> moved, Alexis. I, I feel like you guys are asking me all the hard-hitting questions, and <laughs> I am planning on it. I have some decor over here. You can't quite see it, but there's also boxes next to it. So. No, um, I get it. Jordan, no. you're doing a great yeah, job. Don't take, don't take that from She just him. needs a nice little she desk lamp for the interrogation. Yes, exactly. Where were you on the <laughs> night of the 25th? Jordan, <laughs> I, I want to plan. Oh, oh we, there you go. There you go. Hold it. Keep holding it. You're good. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's who's winning Group C? This group with Spain. Yes. Oh, Spain's winning it. Spain's winning yeah. it. And Japan. And then Japan. I think. Yeah. And then... Well, oh, gosh. To, yeah, I've, I've struggled with this. I but know. Those, those two teams are going through. Um, I think it's one, two. Spain, Japan. Jordan, expectations tomorrow night. 
The U.S. Women's National Team versus Netherlands. What's going to happen? Who do you got? I, I think the United States will be able to adapt. This is going to be a, a very different game, Charlie, and we all know that, right, from the first game of um, the matchup. One of the things I, I keep thinking about is the Netherlands had to play Portugal, and Portugal came out and played them. And so you get to see a lot more of how this Dutch side is going to defend, what they're going to do in transition moments, whereas versus the United States, there's not – in this World Cup, you didn't see that in the first game. You know, it was a lot of counter-pressing. It was a lot of winning the ball back high on the field, trying to break down a low block. So the Netherlands have less to work with in this World Cup from what they saw from the United States. But this Netherlands squad, I know they're missing Amitama, who is one of the best strikers in the world. But they, the way that they set up, they're, they've, they've changed their formation. They're really in a 3-1-4-2, which shows you how aggressive they want to be going forward. A lot of numbers in attack. How are potentially two very young center backs going to handle that? I think, I think we're going to see Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook back there um, in the back line because those two have played the most time together. I know Julie Ertz started the first game, but... I think that was just to get her some minutes next to Gurma in case something happened. Now, I could be wrong, but that is my my prediction. For the United States, they have to manage those numbers forward, but they also have to know that where they can be at their best is in transition. And the Dutch didn't look very good in transition against Portugal, that there was a lot of space that they could play through. So I still think we might see Lynn Williams. We might see Lynn Williams, who's so good in defensive actions as a set, as a winger that she can create some turnovers, but then in behind, use her speed and her pace and her goal-scoring prowess right now in NWSL to uh, get in behind this Netherlands squad. So I said two to one. I, I think it's going to be hard to get out of this game without a goal scored. But then again, there have been barely any games in this World Cup where both teams scored. I think there has only, only been one. one. Just yeah, one. it's one. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So wild. Oh, Jordan. But I said two to one. Amazing stuff. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on Attacking Third tomorrow. Are you going to be on tomorrow? Tomorrow, All right. you know it. If, if Argentina gets a point, I'll give you some wall art, by the way. <laughs> If, if who gets If a point? Argentina gets one point. I'm all asking, at this point, I'm asking just for one point. Perfect. Nico, I'll start saving some things. <laughs> and I'll just save some wall space. <laughs> uh, Jordan, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. We are going to take a break. Uh, Felipe Cardenas is going to join us on the other side to chat a little bit about that Inter-Miami-Atlanta United match. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Uh, we have some Leagues Cup action to look forward to tonight, including a big matchup between Inter Miami and Atlanta United. This will be Lionel Messi's second game wow. with his new club. And uh, we are now going to bring in Felipe Cardenas, who has been at the heart of Messi mania. Uh, Felipe, wow. I, do you know what? Every... Every week, you're just you're bringing the the style. How many how how many new shirts have you bought since being a part of Galazzo? A lot, a lot. You know what? When I well, I was starting to stress when I was in Puerto Rico because I was running out of outfits. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to start re- repeating shirts. They're gonna notice. What am I gonna do? But I'm back at home with my full closet, oh, feeling good. Feeling what a confident. relief! I like this one. This is very. Um, this is like like um, it's giving me a Malfi Coast vibes. Oh, nice. nice. I mean, Alexi, just just tell me how you really no, feel. No, it's more like no, Kingpin. I, no, I like Kingpin. it. Kingpin. I like yeah. it. Uh, when did you join the Mighty Mighty Boston? Oh. <laughs> 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 Don't listen to that. <laughs> I like it. I'll take it. I'll take Charlie's it. broken. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Oh, God. I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, Felipe. Oh, let's uh, let's <laughs> let's chat some let's chat some Messi. We've um, we've been been chatting with with Nico, who was also in Miami for for Messi's debut. But you were there as well. You were there for the the announcement, kind of at the center of everything. Uh, just from from your perspective, what what was his debut like? I mean, it was storybook. It was storybook. You know, I, I think what was interesting is the amount of minutes that he played. I, you know, I had colleagues telling me, oh, he's going to play seven minutes. He's going to play 10 minutes. He's not ready. And I think it was very calculated by Tata Martino, that that three-man sub when he brought on Messi, Busquets, and Joseph Martinez. And it just completely changed the game. You know, the quality that, that all three of them have, and obviously the best in the world, Ale Messi, it just, it just came out. And so I, I think the one thing that I took away, other than the spectacular finish, the the way it was set up for him and the way that Leo Messi delivered in that moment, which is always just crazy to me when elite athletes are given that opportunity and then they, they, they take it to the next level with that, with that sort of finish. But other than that, I felt like Messi was really entertaining fans. Like he understood where he was. Uh, there were times where he was walking the pitch and he, if he was on one side of the field and then he went to the other side of the field where he hadn't, uh, greeted the fans. He would greet the fans. It was very, it, was, it just felt like we were part of a movie, honestly. Uh, and then the way it ended, it was just, it couldn't have been better written than, than, than that. And so I think in the end, it was, it was a great debut for Leo Messi. It's, it's, it's an interesting way to, to now picture inner Miami going into this next game with Messi Busquets and, and, and likely Joseph Martinez now starting instead of coming on in the second half. Uh, it's a nice little matchup tonight, but in the end, the debut for Messi was, was I think, what we expected. It was something that we'll remember forever. And you know it wasn't scripted because the writers are on strike. Um, Good one, Nico. Uh, so wow. Is there, did everyone else hear the rim shot sound? Is that a dad joke? Oh, wow. Um, we Your spoke, writer's on strike. 
<laughs> we spoke before the game, and you said that you yep. were going to follow for, for the athletic every single movement that Messi made. Was there any particular moment, because we did see that family hug at the end, anything else that yeah. we might not have caught that stood out to you? Yeah, I think this, the thing about Leo Messi that it's it's been well reported, whether it's in a positive light or negative light, that he walks the pitch, right? It's it's just it's it is what it is. I saw him in Qatar up close, and he does it there too. And then his opponents can't find him because that's what he's doing. He pops up and he wins the game for you, and and that's what I noticed that he he did that a lot against Cruz Azul, obviously just trying to get into the groove of the game. But the other thing that he does. He may walk, but he never stands still. He paces a lot. Like when there's a stoppage of play, he's pacing, he's touching the back of his neck. He's like, it's almost as if like the anxiety, uh, the performance anxiety that he that he has, he, he's feeling in that moment. He wasn't taking it easy at all. Uh, and just tactically, he he's free to roam, but he really does love that right side. And so if you're a left fullback, uh, you're you're going to meet Messi up close and personal, and he's going to come off that right side. He's going to find pockets in the middle of the field, in front of the center backs, and force the center backs and the central midfielders to, to to make decisions. And that was what he did. It was classic Messi. But you know, just watching his every movement, uh, he's always thinking. He's always scanning. Uh, he realized the amount of space that he had in that game, and it was it, there were oceans of space in the midfield. And I think that's something a learning that Atlanta United and talking to some of their their players and coaches yesterday they've scouted that game and i think the one thing they know is that they can't give busquets and messi space because on friday night they had all time all kinds of time 14 of of uh busquets 32 passes went to leo messi that night i want to ask about this game coming up because there's so many there's so many storylines Tata Martino going back, Joseph Martinez going back, uh, Thiago Armada, Lionel Messi. Is there anything that overrides this Messi, or will this – if Messi wasn't here, we would have expected this to be a little chippy. Can we expect that still? What do you think is going to happen in this game coming up against um, Inter-Miami and uh, uh, Atlanta? Yeah, historically, these two teams, since you know 2020 that they've played, the games have been pretty chippy, to be honest. Like it's just there's a little bit of a, a budding rivalry here because of where they are uh, regionally, and, and just I think Inter Miami came in to the league and and they took a little bit of shine away from Atlanta United. You know, this is before when Darren Neal's was still in Atlanta before he went to Newcastle United as the new president there. I remember him talking about Inter Miami and how David Beckham would mention Atlanta, and they were very proud of that. And then Inter Miami came in and just became that 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 glamour team, even though they start the the tough start. So I think tonight will be uh, more even. It'll be even. It'll be chippy. Uh, and and again, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Atlanta deal with Leo Messi. And to your point, what what else are we waiting for here? If if Atlanta. If, if Miami doesn't advance in League's Cup, and I've said this before, that then they have that month, almost a month to just train and get Jordi Alba, uh, Busquets, and Messi really in form. And so that'll be interesting to see. But I think that change with Cruz Azul, now suddenly they're like, all right, let's let's go after this. And and when you start Busquets, when you start Messi in a game, and that's what Tata Martin will do tonight, uh, you know, that changes everything. And, and again, you mentioned Thiago Almada. I think it's a great great promotion for this league, probably the best promotion so far I've seen. When you've got Thiago Mata and, and his World Cup winning teammate, Leo Messi, his hero on the other side, it's going to be great to see you know, how that plays out. Felipe, you've seen Atlanta close up. What tactics does Gonzalo Pineda implore in this team? How, how does he deal with a Busquets and a Messi? What are you anticipating? 
They have. They've, they've struggled, you know, both on the road, especially on the road. But they've they've conceded points at home too. this game is in, in Fort Lauderdale. And, and, and it's always been a tough place for for Atlanta to play there. I think what 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 we've learned, I think, again, I've mentioned before that Cruz Azul game suddenly becomes a blueprint for other teams moving forward when you start to plan against Busquets and, and, and Lionel Messi and, and Santi Sosa. They're starting Atlanta's starting central midfielder mentioned that they, they cannot give Busquets space. Uh, to just turn and, and distribute like he was on Friday night. Uh, Brad Guzan mentioned the same thing, communication between the center backs, the, the central midfielder, and that left back, which is likely to be the young U.S. international Caleb Wiley. Like Those are the three players, the three areas of the field that Messi is going to roam in and out of. And so that's going to be key. Can you can you stop him? Can you just bother him? Because that's what Santi Sosa said. It's not about stopping Leo Messi. It's about just bothering him a little bit. And I think when he floats into these zones, there's going to be really interesting matchups. I mentioned Caleb Wiley on Messi. And if he if he starts to float into that central defensive area, that's where Miles Robinson is going to come in and clean up. And so it's I, I just love the matchups. And I think what, what Pineda wants to do, according to what he said yesterday, is keep Keep the ball in order to keep it away from Messi, and and they're going to try to defend with the ball. That uh, they are a pretty good def- a possession team, uh, but I think this game is going to be back and forth. I think that's what it's going to end up being, and it's going to be about capitalizing and just limiting the chances that Messi is going to create. It's not. It's really tough to stop him, but those matchups are really interesting to me, especially the Miles Robinson on Lionel Messi if he floats into that central defensive zone. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, Felipe Cardenas, always great to see you. Thanks so much for the time. All right, take care, guys. Before we go, here's a look at your footy fix for today. We've got um, some UCL qualifiers, Chalgiris versus Galatasaray. We've got that Inter-Miami versus Atlanta Leagues Cup match, as well as Manchester United facing Wrexham um, in a friendly at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. And then tomorrow morning, World Cup action, Japan, Costa Rica, and Spain taking on Zambia. Those games at 1 a.m. Eastern and Mm. 3.30 a.m. Eastern on FS1. Will we be watching? I'll be watching the 9 p.m. game. That's right. Yes, sir. That's right. Guys, we got through it. I'm proud of us. We did it. We had some technical difficulties today, but we rallied. We made it. Proud of us. Proud of you guys for watching. Thanks for sticking with us. Let's do it again manana. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.